Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry, joined again with Wade Mobley. It's really nice to be able to record all of these all in one go, uh, just to be able to pick up our conversation where we've left off. But uh, Wade, we're really grateful that you've taken the time to be with us here. Um, do want to give you an opportunity here, and I realize we didn't do this in the first two weeks worth of recording, but uh, if people wanted to reach out to you, do you have a preferred way that people could do that yeah wade.mobley at flbc.edu i'm not really around facebook a ton a little more lurky there than anything throw up a blue healer picture once in a while twitter uh you you can catch me on twitter too it's at wade mobley m-o-b-l-e-y but happy to uh, get back to you if you're looking for a book recommendation or if people had questions that Jordan and I didn't ask and you've been just having it in the back of your mind like an itch, like, why didn't you ask that? Uh, go ahead and give them a shout yeah. out there as well. Well, or if you know somebody who's looking for post-secondary education at our Bible college and seminary, it's a, I mean, it's a special place. It's, it's not for everybody, but I mean, it's for, a way, it's for way more people than who go here. <laughs> so hmm. got about 108 students right now. I think we had 110 to start the year. And we have room for 160, and we've got uh, about 20 in our seminary. That's excellent. I So uh, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I went to Crown College, and one of my roommates at Crown lived in Plymouth, had no idea that the Bible College existed. And they said, where was that? And I said, you know where Armstrong High School is, yeah? Yeah? It's a further, like, two blocks south of that. And that's what that is? They, they thought it was some weird retirement center. <laughs> because they saw the sign and they're like, oh, whatever. You're not exactly looking on the east side as you drive along Medicine Lake. Uh, but um, yeah, just would encourage anybody who hasn't, if you're just joining us, you know, um, if you haven't checked out the Bible College or the seminary, uh, to please do so. And speaking of the seminary, how about this for a segue, Jordan? We're going to talk about if seminary is a realistic option for people to consider today. And um, just recognizing that both Wade and I have been through our seminary. Jordan, you haven't, but that's not an accusation, just a statement of, of circumstances. Rub it in. Um, what's that? That's a way to rub it in. <laughs> I was stay stay strong, to, Jordan. Stay strong. <laughs> trying to be gracious. Wade, you did uh, mention in the last episode about Hebrew being kind of that tough language, and I, I empathize with that greatly. I, I struggled through Hebrew, but... Um, as someone who is a youth worker, and I realize that we focus a lot on youth ministry because that's just what Jordan and I are at professionally and vocationally right now. Uh, a lot of our listeners are youth workers as well. But uh, what way in your mind would be uh, some, a reason why a youth worker should consider taking three to four years out of their ministry for a formal yeah, yeah, seminary that's education? A, that's, a, that's a tough one. Well, first of all, 
Um, <laughs> well, how to say this? Kind of depends on if they're any good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you. So... <laughs> that was a good time to mention that I get monthly postcards from Wade with like the link to the application. So I'm feeling it. Yeah, it's just... Wish you so were here. Was, uh... Yeah, I couldn't remember. It was, see, with one Langness, it was, or when are you going to seminary? And with the other language, uh, Langness, it was, when are you going to get married? I can never keep them all straight. So. But um, the, the Lang and I are many. But, um, so, <laughs> well, if, if you have a desire to do youth ministry and your theology is shaky, ambiguous, or generic, you probably shouldn't be doing youth ministry yet. You should probably be working under somebody and learning as an apprentice, at the very least, working with a pastor who can teach you. Uh, the dirty dark secret is way too much youth ministry is about keeping the kids busy and active at the church so people feel like they're actually being discipled. And uh, that, that's not really youth ministry. You do have to actually have content and... Um, Seminary could help with that. Now, that said, I don't think everybody has to be a seminary-trained youth worker. But if they, don't have, if they don't have good theology or any theological training, that needs to be a concern of the congregation. And, and maybe seminary could be part of that answer. It does seem like a bit much, though, doesn't it? If you're going to continue on as a, as a, um, as a youth worker, it, to take four years off of that, you're essentially leaving, and maybe you're maybe not coming back. So... You know, maybe you shouldn't do it. Similarly, second career guys. A lot of our second career guys, we insist that you go back and get your bachelor's degree if you don't have one because you need some of that foundational education. But not everybody. Uh, there's, um, I remember a farmer who came to the seminary who was 50-ish, didn't have a bachelor's degree. At, at some point, how many years are you going to spend in the classroom and, and then how many years are you going to have left for ministry? So there, I think there are times to do other things. It's kind of a return on investment, not financially, but investment of time. So that said, you, if you have theological concerns or others have theological concerns about you, it's probably where it would come from because <laughs> we tend to not be self-aware of our theological concerns. Uh, then maybe, maybe some more training is helpful. And if you're thinking at all about making this ordained or pastoral long-term, just get to seminary. And the younger you are, the more your decisions should skew towards going to college someplace. Because when you're young, you're creating future capacity. You know, if you're, if you're 40 or 50 years old or whatever, I understand there's a different set of decisions and considerations. But, you know, the 23-year-old who's thinking he's too old for for more education. It's like, no, 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 no. Go to school. So you, you kind of highlighted that by, by starting if someone has a shaky theology, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, basically by saying others are mentioning that to you, but how, how would somebody know if they're really not on a firm foundation? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. You know, our, we're blind to our own blindness. Mm -hmm. uh, I had people in my life who graciously um, affirmed my good desires and my good intentions and gently suggested that some further training would be helpful. 
and not necessarily Bible college. For them, it was you know, like a, it, uh, the, what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Mark Olson, who's a pastor and used to work here, and now he's a pastor in uh, Dexter, Dexter and Casson, Minnesota. He was my pastor when I was in college. I was working with a youth group, younger Christian, uh, didn't really have a lot of good theology at all. But I was working hard with the youth, trying to help them out, not compensated in any way, just trying to help because I, you know, like like kids. So, and he very graciously, you know, pointed out some things and offered to help himself, he offered to invest in me personally. And I ended up uh, deciding to go to this little Bible college in Minneapolis for what I thought was a quarter, and um, it turned out to be longer than that. Uh, but if if people are, if older wise people are willing to invest in you, it's generally a good idea to listen to them. I think that also brings about such an important aspect, too, of not being in any position of leadership alone, but that the reality is that we need to be a part of a body. We need to be investing in discipling others, but also making sure that we've got people who are investing into us as well. It's a good word. Well, if, if people are looking down on you because you don't have a degree or whatever, well, try to ignore that, the status part of it. But understand that there may be some theological concerns that are they don't know how to express. Because we've all been around youth retreats where we hear things that make you cringe. And you hope it's from a, a, a student and not a youth leader. Right. But sometimes it's from the youth leader. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah. So, if you're not teachable, I don't think you should be in ministry. I don't care if you got a degree or not. Maybe that's a harsh statement. But if you're not teachable and there's nobody you know with whom you disagree that you still respect, you probably shouldn't be in ministry. I think that's a fair statement. I think that is not something you need to necessarily apologize for. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's because sometimes the bar is so low. It's like, I, how many times have you seen a youth leader get hired because the church wants somebody to do something with their kids? And then they get fired two years later because they weren't a good administrator. Yeah. It, it wasn't even a conversation. And the idea of how's your theology in general, or how's your Lutheran theology, if you're from a Lutheran congregation, doesn't even come up. But then eventually something bad happens, and it's, you know, so. so training is good, and I will admit that I, f I feel like we're, for all of our efforts in the AFLC in these areas, it's not because we haven't been trying. I sometimes feel like we're a generation behind, a and uh, you can't catch up. You, you know, if you feel like uh, your drive wasn't great, you don't try to hit the green on every second shot. Sometimes you just got to knock it back into the fairway and keep cruising. And that's what, that's what we're doing. There's a whole lot of people in the AFLC working really hard to prepare uh, pastors, youth workers, and, and just parents, congregation members, to equip well the students who we have in our congregations. So, Wade, as you consider seminary and as one who interacts with the seminary quite a bit in your professional position here. Uh, who is seminary for? So seminary is primarily, our seminary at least, remember ours is a denominational pastoral seminary. Yeah. So the primary purpose of ours is to 
prepare servant pastors for free and living Lutheran congregations. So AFLC specific. That said, you do not have to be AFLC to attend here. And you do not have to have pastoral ministry as the end game, if you will. Uh, there are people who study here. I, I would actually like to see more of that. So our, past, our future pastors, as they're being trained, could rub shoulders a little bit with, um, with lay people who aren't pastors or intending to be pastors as a smattering of their classmates. I think that would be very positive. So, um, but our, our program is built primarily for future pastors. One of the reasons we built up the Bachelor of Arts in Bible and Ministry is because there is a desire for more theological training and training at a higher level than what we offer at the Bible college level. But that doesn't necessarily mean you should pursue a master's degree, especially a master's of divinity in pastoral ministry. Sure. I, I don't know if this is something you've observed, Wade. Um, I think there's kind of a, a shift going on as far as certain seminaries that I've seen, um, speaking especially of non-denominational churches, where they would rather kind of do something in-house instead of sending someone to a formal institution like uh, the Lutheran Brethren Seminary, FLT, uh, FLTS, uh, or uh, Gordon-Conwell, or a place like that, they will do their quote-unquote seminary training boots on the ground at their church and then say, this person mm -hmm. has been practically trained, but not so much systematically. Is that something well, you've you think that I would, that? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you think I would be against that, except I'm, I'm not. Um, so that method of pastoral training predates the modern seminary, right? So it's hard to say it's wrong. And I can picture some situations where it would be superior. In fact, if we were starting from scratch and didn't have, you know, didn't have the investment that we do in our campus and the ability to bring people together in a common place, then I think that would be, if some would say that, I would say the next best thing, and others would say that it's still superior to be in those congregations. Now we get we get our guys into congregations a lot, so it's not like they don't have an, uh, a congregational context. Um, good good friend, dear friend of mine, Nathan Hoff, more or less doing that in his congregation in uh, in California. Uh, I think the why you're doing it, uh, it is is uh, a good question. So if it's because you have developed a lack of trust in institutions. I can't blame you. But if you then decide that, therefore, we have a lack of trust in all institutions, so we will just train and ordain our own, and we'll just do our own thing. Here's the problem with that. The reason why institutions have a well-deserved lack of trust associated with them is because they are run by sinful human beings who sometimes do terrible things and are not accountable to the authorities that are placed uh, over them. Oh, but that's exactly, that's the problem with doing in-house pastoral training too. The problem is sin. The solution is repentance. And where there is sin and not repentance, you're going to have ugliness, whether it's in an institution or a congregation. So, I think you're going to have the same problems. Uh, in the words of uh, Jeff Moore in the distance, you can't just go to the moon. So <laughs> uh, you're always going to have those problems. Uh, sin is a problem. Repentance is a solution. And those who are in authority, the handful of people who actually can set the culture of an institution, they need to lead and lead sacrificially 
to maintain that uh, that expectation of repentance when sin happens. So I'm okay with that. Uh, how many of your listeners are non-denominational types, or do you know? Um, we don't get that kind of analytics from Spotify. <laughs> okay. All right. I would say it's safe to say that it's people like uh, within our fellowship, friends of ours. Uh, I know you can give a shout out to Nancy Langness again here. Hi, <laughs> Mom. Hi, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, what I'd like to say to the literally tens of listeners out there is, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, non-denominational. All that means is any kind of Baptist you want to be. That's all that means. Yep. So, it's just. It's at some point. It's just. Come on. Uh, so when I hear non-denominational, I was like, oh, that, oh, I understand. You're non-denominational. You know, right. what, what kind of, yeah, yeah, it's just, anyway, it's, 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 they don't want to talk about Calvinism versus Arminianism. Mm. That's all that is. So, and uh, I'm sure that I have overgeneralized and there's one or two churches out there. But, you know, there's something happening in, uh, in American evangelicalism that's actually good right now. I appreciate it. Uh, there is a shift uh, among, okay, among actually Reformed, so I'm talking about truly Calvinist, uh, but in truly Reformed Calvinist circles, there is a shift from um, credo-baptism to pedo-baptism. In other words, starting to be okay with baptizing infants uh, for covenantal purposes, not efficacious purposes, as, as Lutherans teach, okay? That's interesting to me because people are having a hard time countenancing what they do with children, particularly with concepts like uh, age of accountability. There's also a shift uh, within um, within Baptist circles, just straight up Baptist circles, to get more confessional. Not the Lutheran confessions, obviously, but uh, no creeds but the Bible. People are understanding that you can use no creeds but the Bible to justify pretty much anything you want. And so they're starting to get more confessional. You'll, you'll be at a Southern Baptist worship service and reciting together in the Nicene Creed. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a, in my mind, that's a positive development. Yeah, I've actually been able to uh, be a participant in that. We had, when I was in Beulah, the Baptist pastor was going to be away for a sabbatical and actually ended up coming back early because he had a heart attack or something. So that was sad. But uh, they asked me if I would be able to fill in for him. And then they were having communion that Sunday. I was like, well, can I do it how I do it? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I was able to do that. And, and he was the one actually that brought in to our ministerial the Athanasian and Apostles' Creeds, uh, which was interesting. As like the, we had some stuff in the community that was not Christian, but cultish, I would say. And uh, so he kind of brought that for us. So that was kind of neat to see. Um, Wade, we talked about this a little bit last week, and just in passing, so I'd like to be able to spend a, a little bit more time on there, maybe as, as we our final up question um, for this episode here, but we talked about how the seminary and the Bible college are, are all in-person um, settings, and that we don't do the online option A, because like you said, if, if it's already out there, why replicate that? But um, I, I think there's also something to explore about just that value a little bit more. Uh, so what are what are some of the things that in-person allows you to do, um, whether it's coming for seminary or some other form of training, that doing online just does not, is not able to meet? 
So every time you dig into an online program, there's always some paragraph about how they are mitigating the inherent difficulty of learning at a distance instead of in community. And some of them do better than others. But the fact that that paragraph is there tells you that there is an inherent problem uh, that the, the price you pay for convenience is effectiveness, especially in pastoral ministry. Uh, a, a, um, a college that shall remain nameless to protect the guilty. Many colleges are doing this now where you can do a five-year BA to MDiv. And the college I'm thinking of is an otherwise decent Christian college. You can get your BA to MDiv in five years from your parents' basement. So your church can call, you know, you too could have a 23-year-old pastor with an MDiv who's never seen anybody in person. You know, hmm. how's that going to go? Because, you know, they, the people in the church, they're actually people who are there. And they're three-dimensional, and they actually they can bite back even <laughs> and ask questions, things like that. They can sin against you, and you can sit against them. And you know, that, that presence, in, at the Bible college level, we see the dorms as a lab extension of the classroom experience. So you learn all this stuff during the day. You go off in the afternoon, work to pay bills, come in at night, and stay in the dorm with 60, 70, 80 people who are also sinners. You sin against each other, and you put into practice the stuff you learn in the classroom. Seminaries are a lot like that, too, where uh, that that the idea of you know, unhooking the plow and going, that's a good practice. And then being in person to have to deal with stuff. Uh, the way you mitigate that, of course, is that you'd be working in a congregation at the same time. And I think that's a great idea. Um, but there's something about being uh, together and in a, in a unit where iron sharpens iron, but, uh, but only when they get together. And when you do, there's a lot of sparks. That is, yeah, that is valuable. I do understand and can appreciate the convenience, you know, of, uh, I want, I still feel called to stay here in my community, still feel that God is leading me to be here, but I do want to receive more training. So even when the uh, seminary offers a symposium or something, there's usually those folks that ask, you know, is it, is it live streamed? Uh, and that's not exclusive to our seminary either, but uh, I am well, no, but I've signed up for those too, haven't you? Conferences where you can do it, yeah. you know, oh, I can watch that later. How often do you actually watch it later? <laughs> it's right. like, if I don't schedule the time to go, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. And I will say this too. If it really is truly online or nothing for you for whatever reason, go online. See what happens. But keep in the back of your mind that someday God's going to call you to do something that's not at all convenient. And uh, there are non-easy, you know, online seminary is not necessarily easy. If it is, you, you're at the wrong spot. But, you know, keep in the back of your mind that there's going to come a day where you can't control your zip code. And if you know, you better go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to close out this week, um, as we're talking about seminary, it's not necessarily a either or in this instance either. So 
Wade, um, for final thoughts this week, can you think of other things that the seminary has done uh, to invite people in to exposure, um, to get that seminary level kind of training, equipping, and experience and, and study, but in smaller packages? So thinking of summer options, winter options, because I know the seminary has done things more for lay people or even just continuing education for lay pastors or ordained pastors um, to, to be able to have more of those snippets that aren't committing to a full four-year kind of thing. So uh, my doctoral dissertation is on continuing education in the AFLC. So um, I've thought about this a ton, and uh, I turned it in Thursday, the week that the world shut down with COVID. So everything I suggested in there that we're going to try, good luck for that, you know. Um, but since then, okay, so we've, we've refocused a little bit. I'm trying, we're trying to do less. I've, I've, I always have too many ideas and we try to do it all and get everybody tired and dilute the interest, but now we're really down to two. So one is Summer Institute of Theology, first full week of August. Sometimes that's the first week of AFLC family camp. So it, it doesn't work for some people. That's okay. That's a, we're not that small. We can do two things. Um, that's right here on our campus. It's a lot of fun. It's continuing education, not for credit. Usually bring in a guest speaker and have a few of our own. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's just the sweetest group of people. And I really enjoy it. So imagine people who are hungry to learn and maybe don't have the theological educational background and you're able to sit around with them and and teach us some stuff. I was just, it's fun. And we try to catch a twins game too. So it's a good week. The other one is symposium. We used to do a J term, a January term, and that was too much and not enough. So now we're calling that continuing ed. Uh, we bring in a speaker. We do a bunch of our own. That was a nerdier focus. And this year we had the classroom was full. So we had in person at least 60 plus online. And a bunch of us presented and we brought in uh, Joel Bierman, uh, who was a Missouri Synod ethics prof. We had so much fun. So that's in January. And then there's all kinds of archive stuff on our website if you want to watch a video on something. Pastor Halgen has a couple of them on there on uh, election and um, what was the other? Elections is his big one. You must, you cannot, you do. Remember that one from mm-hmm. seminary, Dan? Yeah, yeah. so um, a lot of those. Oh, and the AFLC as a whole is doing more too. So with that, may you recognize that, look around, explore, see what kind of options there could be just to get a little bit more and, and to invest in yourself in that way um, as you continue to lead others. It can be a great encouragement to you and your ministry as well. So we're going to wrap up there for this week. And with that, may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.